Hey, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and I, well, we are indeed live. I'm actually, where am I? I'm, I'm at Northland Church in uh, Longwood, Florida, basically Orlando, Florida. I'll be preaching here tomorrow. I've done this show here before. The pastor's Josh Laxton. He had a new book out at the time, a devotional for men. Um, and so I'll be preaching here this weekend. So I set up the, the studio on the road, as we often do. They have a, a little a studio here, so it's super helpful. So, so glad to be able to, to be live with you. It's uh, people are just now, you know, emerging back from uh, last year's revelry as we had the holidays into into the new year. So, uh, so hopefully you're now back to the, well, I don't know if it's hopefully or not, but probably you're back to the normal rhythm of life and maybe Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, because it's Saturday afternoon in the Eastern time zone where I am is when you listen to Ed Stetzer Live. Of course, increasingly, many of you listen to the show via podcast, and you can do that if you go to edstetzerlive.com, and you can follow along um, a couple of links, you know, the Moody Radio app, all that stuff's there. So you can actually subscribe to any Moody Radio program, including Ed Stetzer Live, as a podcast. For those of you listening on partners and affiliates like Faith Radio, or the, we're on over 250 outlets. So, um, so if you're listening on a partner as well, it's a Moody Radio show, but we're just so excited that we have partners and affiliates like your local station or stations that air Ed Stetzer Live. But as always, if you go to edstetzerlive.com, you can find and receive the podcast this as a podcast as well. Uh, of course, we're going to take calls a little bit later on, but let me tell you about my guest. He happens to be a friend of, gosh, I don't even know, maybe maybe 15 years. I'm goes back to Nashville days, so probably. Anyway, Matt Markins is the president and CEO of Awana. Now, when we became friends, he was not the president and CEO of Awana, and I was not the dean of the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. We were all in different lives. Um, matter of fact, I lived in Nashville. He lived in Chicago. Now, I he lives in Nashville, and I live in California. So anyway, he's the president and CEO of Awana. Matt Markins is his name. He's a And Awana, of course, is a global leader in child discipleship. And I am just, I mean, all churches all over just have Awana and are just thriving in Awana. So it's sort of, it's sort of helpful to see uh, all the good work that they are doing. So, but Matt's the author or co-author of four books, uh, most notably for our conversation today, The Faith of Our Children, Eight Timely Research Insights for Discipling the Next Generation. So that being said, might be a good time for you to uh, you know, text somebody and say, hey, they're going to be talking about discipling the next generation. The Faith of Our Children is the title of the book. By the way, we're going to give away five copies of the book to callers with insightful questions. It's not like a, you know, radio giveaway program where you call in and say, am I caller number seven? No. You're going to have a conversation with us, questions, comments about child discipleship and more. Uh, but the title of the book is The Faith of Our Children, Eight Timely Research Insights into Discipling the Next Generation. Uh, Matt's also the co-founder of the Child Discipleship Forum. I just had the privilege of speaking there uh, last year. Last year doesn't seem that long ago, but last fall. And also the D6 Conference, which I had the privilege of being as well back in the day. And Matt, we're super excited you are here. Little funny that you're living in Nashville and I'm not. <laughs> but thanks so much for taking the time to be on the program. Ed, it's great to be with you. Well, you know, all the cool people live in Nashville now. It's like the coolest city in America. So what did I do? I moved away, but that's that's okay. Now, when you when when we first became friends, am yeah. I getting it right? Didn't did you live in Chicago at that time? No, I was I my kind of rhythm was Nashville, Chicago, then back to Nashville. So That's okay. I was yeah, I was in Nashville when we were launching the D6 conference and you were one of the first uh, kind of thought leaders we pulled into the mix. That's funny. And of course, you know, as you probably are aware that in the, you know, they track where people move from and to, and the number one place that people leave Chicago for is Nashville. 
And uh, the number one place that uh, people are, you know, coming from, it's just like, it's like a pipeline. And of course I went the opposite direction, went to Chicago and then we switched places. So for a time we were, I was in Chicago, you were in Nashville, but I tell you to see the, uh, and again, I want, it's not gonna be our focus uh, because I want to talk some about the research and about your journey, but to see the revitalization of Awana, you know, I was at Lifeway and, you know, we think about what we call changing church practices, right? So um, yeah. this was this was the big threat to Christian publishing at Lifeway is that, you know, churches weren't doing Sunday school as much. Um, you might be doing small groups. And in doing so, they didn't use our resources. And, you know, because Lifeway is the largest provider of Christian resources at the time. I don't think it is now, but it was then. Um, so, and Awana was faced with the same, you know, headwinds, yeah. these changing church practices. But you've been able to sort of lead a turnaround at the organization. And a lot of people don't know Awana is this huge global ministry, but even seeing bright spots here in the United States as you've seen some turnaround. Tell us a little bit about that, and then we're going to jump into the book, The Faith of Our Children. Sure. Yeah, one sentence here. Awana is a global leader in child discipleship. We engage 5.6 million children on a weekly basis through 77,000 church partnerships in 134 countries. But to your question... Uh, when I joined the organization in 2013, uh, I had learned a lot through the D6 movement of family ministry, churches and homes working together. But where my mind was at as I transitioned from D6 to Awana was really in the research space. The question I was asking when I joined the organization in 2013 is, what is it the church does that leads to lasting faith in children? You know, I, I had a personal Awana experience, and I thought it was very fruitful. Awana is different than a lot of the other children's ministry children's ministries out there. So I wanted to know what made it distinctly unique. And so that question, you know, what is it the church does that tends to form lasting faith? That's been our singular pursuit since 2013. And we've really built our whole organization around answering that question. Uh, So you could say that Awana's whole innovation ecosystem is all about child discipleship. How do we, what can we learn? How do we equip? How do we train? And how do we implement it? Yeah. And I think, you know, my kids were impacted by one of my kids are young adults now, but they were impacted by Awana. I think for a lot of people, matter of fact, if you want to drive Matt Markins and the Awana people crazy, call it Awanas the whole time. Cause that's <laughs> for some reason, I don't know how the S got on there, but like there's no such thing as Awanas. I mean, I guess if you had well, more than one Awana group, but I don't know, yeah. where'd that come from? We're, we're a very, you know, we're a loved brand. And when you're a loved brand, the, the people take over the brand, you know, so uh, it, it really doesn't bother me. I love to see people passionate about this ministry. And so, uh, yeah, we do hear that a lot as we travel. You could add, you know, Awana, for those you who don't know, stands for Ambassadors We Are Not Ashamed. You could just add seriously at the end, like seriously, we're not ashamed. <laughs> and then it could actually be, this could be, I could be like fixing branding questions, but it is funny how this stuff stuff just sort of takes over and, and goes from yeah. there. Okay. All right. So so research, I know, has been part of your passion. I think when you had me speak at D6 conference, I presented research. I think both times I spoke there, I did. You asked me to do some research. So I love that you care about these things. And of course the book, and remember, we're going to have a few copies of the book is to give away. It's the faith of our children, eight timely research insights for discipling uh, the next generation. And I want to jump into it, but I want to share, I want to have you share a little bit about your story as well, because I think it helps frame some of what you're doing here and more. And, you know, so talk a little bit about, you know, your own faith journey. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, my earliest memory uh, is the day that my dad walked out of the house. Okay. Uh, in my mind's eye. All right, so I'm, I think I, I lost you for a second there, there, but I think, I, I think, I I'm, think back. I'm back. So, so um, tell, um, me, tell about me about your own faith journey and sure. how it relates to this Awana journey as well. 
Yeah. So in, in my earliest memory is the day that my dad walked out of the house. Uh, in my mind's eye, I'm sitting on my bedroom floor. My brother's right next to me. My door is left open and my dad is carrying out cardboard boxes. Uh, he's carrying out clothes draped over his arm. And uh, he's, there's, there's a lot of yelling. He's screaming and yelling. And so my brother, who's just a few years older than me, uh, is sticking, Ed, do you remember the Disney golden books with the golden spine down, you know, down the middle? Totally. He's, he's, he's putting those in front of my face, trying to distract me from what's happening. Uh, and there, you know, there's, there's a Disney or a Pixar movie that talks about core memories. Like that's a huge core memory for me. And not, not long after that, uh, my mom, not surprisingly, finds her way into a local church. And I remember being in this local church uh, pretty early on. It must have been a Wednesday night or a Sunday night because in my memory, off to the left, this bank of windows, it's pink outside, which tells me the sun is setting, you know. And there's four people in the room. It's myself and one other child. And uh, this man uh, begins to sing songs and tell me about Jesus. And I was young, Ed, but I remember this with, with incredible clarity. And on that day, I took my first step of faith toward uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ at a very young age. And so my my mom then married my stepdad, who, who's a church going man. And so in the 80s, man, it was flannel graph and, and children's church. Like I, I grew up on that stuff and I, I was not a great student, but very in tune to what was happening at church. Um, and God was forming me as a, as a young person. And by the time I get to my teenage years, uh, my dad, who was a very, my biological dad, who was a very volatile man, had been grooming me to do this thing called joint custody. I, I, I don't, I don't care how people do custody, but it, it, back in the day, uh, I would spend every other weekend with him, but he wanted equal time. Well, he's a very unhealthy, abusive man, but he had kind of groomed me to say yes to this. So I go to my mom, I sit down with her and I say, mom, hey, I'm going to do joint custody with dad. And with great, mat incredible maturity, my mom very calmly said, Matt, if we, if we do joint custody, knowing your dad's lifestyle, who's going to be there to help you when he's going in and out doing all the wild stuff? And so that was a very, very painful season. I told my dad, no, I don't want to be with you. And then he was, or I'm, I'm not going to go do the joint custody thing. And so he just said, fine, I don't want you in my life anymore. And it was an incredibly painful season. But in that time, it was the church that discipled me. There were men and women, where I thought my name was divorce or custody or child support, these men and women gave me new names like encourager, like I was an encourager, I'm, that I have the gift of leadership and mercy and administration. I, I didn't see these things. So they lifted my eyes that I, at 16, 17 years old so I could see a vision for my future. So I, when I look back on my journey, I see these highly relational people. My parents got me access to the local church. It was a scripture-rich environment where I was given opportunity to grow and to learn. And so child discipleship, child faith formation is a, is a really a core theme of how I arrived where I'm at today. And the church was just such a powerful force in my younger years. Gosh, I mean, I love that story. And it's going to be a similar story for many people. It's a similar story for me where, you know, came up, Don and I both came up in broken homes, but the church was the place where we found People believed in us, relationships, people invested in us, and that's part of the research we're going to talk about as well. Our phone number is 877-548-3675. We're going to start taking your calls pretty soon. Maybe you've got questions about discipling your children or grandchildren as well. Stay with us. We continue our conversation with Matt Markins and his new book, The Faith of Our Children, in just a moment.
Hey, Ed Stetzer Live. We're back. I'm Ed Stetzer. I'm actually the dean of the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University and teaching pastor at, at a Mariner's Church, where I normally broadcast from each and every week. But here we are. I'm actually at Northland Church in Orlando. If you don't have a church in, or, or in the Orlando area or you're just here visiting, come see us. We've got services tonight and two services tomorrow morning. Looking forward to sharing God's Word there. And one of the things for so many of us is that raising our kids, you know, and I've got young adult uh, daughters now. We had them all back for Christmas, so that was super fun. Did some fun family activities. Um, and, you know, we don't, we think of, you know, I mean, they're still engaged and involved, but it's a little different when you're, uh, you know, parenting young adults. And I, I read a book recently on parenting young adults, trying to learn through those things. But I'm not that far away from having teenagers. Well, I guess one of them is still a teenager, but um, not that far away from having teenagers. And it seems just yesterday when they were little kids going to Awana and more. Um, so I want to talk some about what that looks like. But we had uh, Matt Markins as our guest, and he was sharing a little bit about his own story and upbringing, which I related to. And I love the fact, Matt, that people in the church invested in you. And one of the things we've seen in research projects over and over again is the investment in uh, adults other than parents. Now, now, don't misunderstand. Parents incredibly important, but in my case, broken home, distant relationship from parents, uh, complicated. Donna's complicated as well. Um, it's it was actually p young adults, often young adults who, or maybe you know, people with small kids, because I remember they're little kids who invested in our lives that really made a difference. It sounds like similarly that, that happened with you. Tell us more about that. Yeah. Um, so the power of one loving, caring adult is what can make all the difference in the life of a child. You know, Harvard has a study on resiliency in children. They, they study two different groups of kids, like kids, kids who face trauma, but part of the kids, half of them ended up doing well. The other half of children did not go on to live successful lives. And they wanted to know, like, why is that the case? And the only linkage uh, were the ones who did well is they had access to a loving, caring adult on a consistent basis. And our research with the Barna Group shows the same thing, that four out of 10 kids in America have access to uh, at church to a loving, caring adult. And when you compare those kids to their peers who don't have that at church, their peers are not near as likely to take ownership of their faith, to take steps forward, to really even find belonging in the church or to um, engage in spiritual practices. But kids who have that, a loving, caring adult at their church, in addition to their parent, they're far more likely to own their faith and to engage in their faith and to remain in the faith into young adulthood. Yeah, and statistically, we see that over and over again. Of course, you did your statistical research with Barna, the Barna Group. We're real thankful for the good work and research that they do. You know, for me, I don't have any experience being a fourth grader in church. Well, that's probably, I mean, I was a, you know, my parents, we grew up nominally Catholic outside of New York City. So, you know, Christmas and Easter. So, I mean, I guess that how you count that, but for me, it's youth group age. So I remember yeah. the names of, you know, Mark Barth was my first person. I think he started discipling me. And then, and then uh, Steve, uh, there are actually people in, or in Orlando and then Steve who kind of discipled me. And it's interesting when you look at our wedding pictures, Don and I got married young at 20, but um, there's, a, you know, what, four people in our wedding party, three of them are young men, my age, my brother, and then two of my friends. But then the fourth one is a guy who was really old at that time, 40 uh, something, doesn't seem so old now. Uh, but that was the guy who invested in my life, Steve Morgan here in the Orlando area. I mean, 
his investment in my life was so central to my all-in spiritual commitment as a teenager and shaped the, the whole trajectory. Yet, I mean, there's an investment that's there. People are investing time in Matt Markins, you know, and, and my guess is you might even remember some of the names of people who invested in Matt Markins. Why would you encourage people today to invest in the lives of young, young, you know, youth age kids, students, those ages as well? Well, everyone's concerned about the formation of children. We, we might not use that language, uh, but everyone's concerned about it. We can scroll the news headlines and see that, especially Christian parents, are very concerned about what's happening in the culture. Uh, Pastor Darren Whitehead has said that uh, our children are being overly exposed to worldly discipleship and underexposed to biblical discipleship. And you, you guys have probably heard the quote. Uh, it's not a matter of are our children being discipled. It's a matter of who or what is discipling them. So everyone's concerned about this idea of our children being formed. There's an article, if you want to Google it, that says, I was discipled by the church. It's by Pastor Brian Bowman. And he gives this story. And he's just kind of almost like a, a LinkedIn resume, working his way through his childhood and mentioning this adult and that adult and this person in the church community and that person in the church community. He's describing a childhood and into the youth years where it, maybe there wasn't even an intentional strategy, but this thread of loving, caring adults engaging in his life on a re regular basis over the course of many, many years. And that's really is what's happening. The, the church has a powerful opportunity to form children when we have them in our care. And I think, I think we need to be real careful to not discount these really small moments, like you might see a particular student maybe only two or three times over the course of a month, but those relational connections are very powerful. That's what Brian's describing in his story. It's what I've described and you've described. Uh, the church is the ideal entity in any community to be a relational force that can lead children to Christ um, for a lifetime. It's a powerful, powerful uh, thing that's happening there with relational connection. Love that. Love that. I, I, you know, experienced my own life and seen it in so many other lives as well. Uh, let me remind you that we are going to take your calls uh, because many of you will have questions about discipling children. We already got some online, but uh, many of you have questions about discipling children. Uh, and Matt's got the research. And so that really helps us because good research helps us to to think well how to respond and how to walk through things with our kids, but also too. I mean, Matt leads Awana, and this is something they're doing every day around the world. So our phone number is 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. The book we're talking about, and we're going to give some copies of it away to our brilliant, insightful questions from callers, uh, is, is called The Faith of Our Children, Eight Timely Research Insights for Discipling the Next Generation. I want to complain, Matt, that that subtitle is too long, but I'm still going to say it as well. Uh, let's first go to uh, Robert on the line in just a minute. Let me remind you, you can call in as well, 877-548-3675. Robert, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Yes, I have a, a granddaughter. Uh, her parents... Uh, my son was a uh, grew up in the church, but uh, his wife uh, uh, is not a believer, and uh, it's a long distance relationship. And I'm wondering how I might plant the seed of Jesus within the heart of my granddaughter without 
creating a problem with my uh, with my uh, daughter-in-law, and uh, because I hope to have an opportunity some at some point in time and situation where I introduce her to Jesus, her mother as well. Oh, I love that. Love that question, too. So uh, let me get you to hold on to, Robert. We're going to give you a copy um, of the book. And the book is, of course, The Faith of Our Children. Matt, you know, it's I know that you don't know the specifics. We have a you know, we have a, a daughter in law. We've got a grandchild. You know, you don't necessarily know the specifics. So let's talk in general. That may, I think, probably help Robert with this question is how can appropriately grandparents influence their children, their grandchildren, and ultimately, in this case, uh, his daughter-in-law, uh, to, to the good news of Jesus Christ. You heard the question. What would your advice be? Yeah, so my, my wife's grandmother uh, lives in Conroe, Texas, north of Houston. And the whole family, the, uh, those who still live in the Houston area, uh, we're talking three or four generations. On Saturdays, they have game night. And on, on Tuesdays, they have Taco Tuesdays. And I asked Katie one day, like, why do you think decade after decade, uh, now we've got two, three, no, excuse me, three or four generations coming to her house for these for these consistent events. And there's the reason that people come is because of love. Meemaw loves everyone and she's hugging and she's kissing and you can see her ragged Bible that's always sitting on the corner of the dining room table. Uh, and she's praying for every family member by name. So if I'm if I'm in Robert's shoes, I'm going to remember that today's young person is looking out at the world, looking out at the culture around them and seeing a lot of hostility uh, a, a lot of uh, anxiousness, a, a lot of nastiness. And if I'm in Robert's shoes, I'm going to be a source of love. H- how about doing something different, like writing a greeting card? <laughs> go to Hallmark, pick, go to Kroger, pick up a greeting card, write a little handwritten note, do something different that's going to get her attention and find consistent ways to connect. And in that little note, I would say, I love you. You are so loved by God. And if I can ever be of encouragement or help to you, uh, please reach out to me. I would want my granddaughter to know there's a bridge of love that she can cross over to have conversation in a world that's very anxious, very nasty, and very uh, um, isolated. So that, that's what I would be doing, looking for ways to do that. Yeah, and I think grandparents have, I don't even know, how do you explain, kind of a unique ability to do that. Um, we have been, I, the reason I'm in Florida is uh, the memorial service for my for my father-in-law, but the kids came. And so our kids have been visiting like all their grandparents. We, we both come from a divorced family. So multiple grandparent visits in the last two weeks. And it's just interesting to see how much influence that grandparents have, even to my young adult daughters, maybe, maybe, maybe more so now because my young adult daughters are listening to them. And so kind of, kind of interesting for sure. Uh, again, let me remind you that you can call in, and we've got some folks lining up on the calls, but still some time for you to jump in. It's 877-548-3675. I'm going to say it again because I know it goes by fast. It's 877-548-3675. So in the, in the book, you talk about the data that's ultimately here and the eight timely research insights. And I, I know we don't probably won't have time to like unpack all eight as we go through the program. But that's why I want to encourage people to get the book, The Faith of Our Children. But tell me some of the research insights that you saw that I think would be, that you think would be really important for people to know as they think about discipling the next generation. So there's this uh, quote that's attributed to Mark Twain, and it goes like this. It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And when I first came across that quote, I thought it was, you know, kind of humorous. 
but also a little bit of a punch in the gut. You know, especially as we look at our research, uh, the book is divided into two parts. The first part is about formation. What do we know? What have we learned that uh, the key factors that tend to form lasting faith in children? But the second half of the book is our local church systems. These are the the systems, the infrastructure, the processes we've put in place to form kids' faith. But the book is really, the data is, is telling the story that our systems don't match what we know to be true about faith formation. So uh, just kind of scanning down the table of contents, some of the, the key highlights and what we know tends to form lasting faith, Ed, and we've already talked about one of them, and that's relationships. Relationships are what we call the catalyst to form lasting faith. And then a second one is Bible engagement. This is not a surprise, and this isn't just our research, but other people's research shows that when kids engage the Bible consistently and in a variety of ways, that could be that could be through music, that could be through memorizing a passage, that could be our family putting post-it notes around the house, and that's how your local church does Bible engagement as well. Um, and then another big one of the key insights is that lasting faith or uh, kids who follow Jesus is what the church is after. We just don't really know how to measure it a lot of times, which brings us to the second half of the book. Many of the systems that we're relying upon, like how we spend our time or how we engage parents, they're not necessarily matching what we know to be true. So this book sets up some really, really good discussion. Cool. We're going to have some good conversation about this as well. Let me remind you, we're going to take your calls as well. 877 877- Five four eight three six seven five. Again, that's eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Continue with Matt Markins, author of *The Faith of Our Children*. In just a moment. Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer live. I'm Ed Stetzer. We're talking to Matt Markins. He leads Awana, which, of course, is so many of us have connections and appreciation for Awana. He's got a new book called The Faith of Our Children, Eight Timely Research Insights for Discipling the Next Generation. And we're talking about some ways that we know. I'm going to come back to the second half of the book, Matt, in just a second, but let's let's throw over to a call and we're going to go to Esmeralda. I think that's how you say it, as uh, in Houston, Texas. So I think it's listening on the Moody Radio app, but you're live on the air, Esmeralda. Go ahead. Yes. Hi, Dr. Stelter. Thank you so much for taking my call. And wow, this conversation has been so timely uh, for me today, I feel like, because I've been teaching Sunday school for over 30 years, mainly like to pre-tweens, I think that's what they call them now, pre-teens, tweens, and and young kids. And and I will say this, I I do work with the Spanish uh, Council of Churches, so it's mainly, you know, we're very bilingual. And anyway, I just want to say and and ask for y'all's advice. I just, lately, I just feel so discouraged, you know, especially since the pandemic. I don't know, I just feel like the kids don't care anymore, (laughs) you know, and and can y'all give me some advice for how to keep going, you know, and and that would be so great. Gosh, that seems like a great question. And I I think for a lot of us, you know, and and thank you for your call, too. We want you to hold down the line. We're going to give you a copy of the book. But a lot of people are sort of that way. I mean, it's it can be hard work, and particularly she's working with tweens. So I just want to lift up a prayer to her right now. Uh, you know, those those uh, seventh grade boys. I don't know if you'll ever heard from again once you step into that room. But how would you encourage them to uh, you know, keep pressing on? Well, first of all, you're doing such good work. You're doing the most important work on the planet, engaging these kids. And you you it's like looking at a looking at a. Uh, if you're, you know, the farming community, looking at a stock of corn when it's just 
a quarter of a way through its growth cycle. You, you know, you can't see where this thing is going to go just yet. So your consistent engagement in their life is pretty incredible. I'm going to recommend two things. First, there's another book that I co-wrote called Resilient. If you were to go to Amazon and just, or, yeah, Amazon and just type in Resilient Child Discipleship. It's a blue book. You'll see it. It's right there. That book, based on where you're at in your journey, that might be the best read for you uh, to help you to know what are some of the next steps you could take. But let me also just make the recommendation that at a, that teen age is when a young person's eyes is start, they're starting to open up to the world around them. And I would engage them in conversation outside of your, your, your curriculum and just, hey, what are you guys, what's going on in the world? What are you seeing that's happening? What's, what, what discourages you? What, what encourages you? I would get to know their outer world and see how they are interacting with the world so that you could begin to understand what are the questions they're really asking? Because we try to plow through our Sunday school curriculum, but a lot of times the curriculum isn't necessarily answering the questions that today's kids are asking in the moment. So keep teaching the Bible through Sunday, obviously, but also find out what's happening in their real world. What are their concerns? What are their anxieties? And look for ways to engage them in the conversations of, of the questions they're probably really asking that maybe no other adult is asking them. Love that. Great, 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 great answer. Great info as well. Uh, let me remind you that our number is 877-548-3675. I think I said we're giving Esmeralda a copy of the book, but if not, we're going to do that. Uh, again, our number is 877-548-3675. Matt, I'm interested too, because she does sort of talk to, She, I think she mentioned she was in Sunday school. And, you know, we have experienced a lot of these changing church practices and for a lot of our listeners, like me, they encountered Awana. Um, you know, I was, in the last two places we lived, um, I wasn't the the senior pastor, so I didn't really make those decisions. But in prior places we lived, we had Awana in churches, things of that sort. So uh, what's different? What is, and what's the same? Um, you know, I, 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 I'm guessing like that everyone would know. So give a little brief explanation. But um, but then, you know, I mean, I know you're leading now and bef before you've had leaders and you guys have made some some changes. What, what would some of those be? Well, in the 80s or just to use as an example, Awana was an out of the box type of ministry, meaning you unpack the box and you do it just like the instructions. Tell like you literally, to do it. literally. Yep. Yeah, like literally. Here's exactly the right way to do it. We no longer view our organization that way. We no longer view the Awana Club's ministry that way. We view it, uh, to use a kind of a humorous example, we think of it more like Chipotle. When you go to Chipotle to, to, to get some food, you know, there's a lot of ingredients behind the counter. But all of those ingredients can be pulled to make a burrito, a taco, a hard shell taco, a salad. So our, org our, our, our organization's ministry offerings can be flexible to help meet your church's needs. We're going to be able to help you with large group time with children, small group time mentoring, training and equipping of your adult volunteers and leaders, and all the curriculum and videos you would need to be able to facilitate a children's ministry. So we have two major programs that I'll mention them really quickly. One is called Awana Clubs, which is what you've alluded to. The other one is called Bright Curriculum, B-R-I-T-E. Bright Curriculum is designed for the weekend space. You could Google that and find that very easily. And then Awana Clubs is designed for the midweek space, but they're they're both designed to facilitate large group time, small group time, engagement time, but it's Bible rich, and we coach your volunteers and leaders to be highly relational. That's what you want. You want deeply scriptural, but uh, very experiential and highly relational for those kids and adults. 
Love that. Deeply scriptural, highly relational. I mean, that just makes sense to me that that's the kind of journey you'd want to go on. Okay, so let's let's take some calls uh, as as well. Let's see. Let's go to Brenda in, well, not far from here, Brenda in Wildwood, Florida. My mother lives up by there, Brenda, as well. Brenda, you're live on the air. Go ahead with your question or your comment. I have a question for our help and guidance with Sunday school children that really don't want to be there, and we need some help to encourage them to want to be at Sunday school and really realize the value of being there. Super question, Brenda, but hold on the line, too, because we're going to give you a copy of The Faith of Our Children, Eight Timely Research Insights for Discipling This Generation, which will answer some of those questions. But Matt, give us the give us the Cliff Notes version of, of how to help motivate kids who don't want to be there to engage. Yeah, similar response to the previous question. Uh, if you've been doing children's ministry for a few decades, you're probably discouraged because of what was just described. Where 20 years ago, the kids may have been a little more familiar with the Christian faith or a little more highly engaged. But because of the outside cultural changes, we're experiencing what was was just described. Kids who are disengaged or act like they don't just they just don't care. So, again, as a as a Sunday school leader, you are trained to work your way through the curriculum. I think we have to have an adaptive style that the curriculum is very important. The Bible teaching is what I would call foundational. But if we're not figuring out, hey, what are these kids, what's actually going on in their lives? And and what are the questions that they're actually asking? Let's, you know, let's um, let's just imagine for a moment that three of the 10 kids in my class, they're, they're actually, they have big questions about the origins of the universe. Well, our, our curriculum may not be covering that, but that may be some questions there's some dialogue that we could have with them or it could be they're experiencing a lot of social anxiety with social media well if i know these things in addition to working my way through the bible lesson we can also create some discussion time about the real world how's it impacting them and what are the things that they want to talk about as well i would use an adaptive style something in similar to what i've just described rather than simply sticking to the flow of the curriculum you know, and I'm with you 100. percent But let me be. Uh, let me push back on one thing. So, I think one of the reasons that people engage, like you mentioned earlier in the 80s, Awana was kind of an out of box, out of the box experience. In other words, you'd get the box, you open the box, you'd follow the instructions. And I think that you know, having developed a curriculum, you know, I, I helped put together something called the Gospel Project when I was at Lifeway. Is that people often have more confidence when they're told what to do, what to say, when they're like, literally sometimes they'd read the Sunday school lesson to seventh graders. So how do we help them uh, be confident enough to actually be, I think you use the word adaptive, where we can talk about some of these things, we can still walk through that. Because I think a lot of it is they rely on the curriculum because otherwise they're nervous. Maybe we even told them that. Maybe we said, listen, all you got to do is open the box and follow the instructions. But we do need more than that in 2023. So how do we help them grow in confidence with that? Well, clearly my bias was shown in the way that I answered that. Our, our bright curriculum is actually designed to help those volunteers have the conversations of the day as a part of the 60 or 90 minutes that you may have with the kids. So it's cl- clearly that's a, a bit of a bias that I have and how I mm-hmm. would respond to that. So the, the curriculum is very important. And, and, and you being comfortable as a volunteer or a leader, a teacher, facilitator, you being comfortable, I mean, that's that's your baseline to pull from to be able to do what you're doing on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. So um, I, I would continue to do what you're comfortable with, but I would start small. Like, let's let's say, Ed, to your question, 
there is someone out here listening who thinks, yeah, I do need to figure out how to have conversations with kids about the issues of the day. I would say start small. Like if, if there's one child who you're most comfortable engaging with in a conversation, figure out how to have a, you know, how, how to have a little test conversation with him or her, ask him a couple of questions and see how that goes. Build your confidence up little by little until you're ready to facilitate it, maybe on a group wide discussion. So start small, uh, fail fast, you know, don't be too discouraged if, if it doesn't go well, but build that confidence little by little so that you're able, you're equipped to really do this and do it well. Super, super, and super helpful as well. Matt, we're so thankful for you and for Awana. We're going to have one more segment with Matt. And if you want to call, ask questions about discipling kids, about raising kids, about the research, which talks about why uh, why also uh, kids would stay in church and more, our number is 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. One final segment with Matt Markins with his new book, The Faith of Our Children, Eight Timely Research Insights for Discipling the Next Generation. Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer here with Ed Stetzer Live. This and every Saturday at this time, we have, well, conversations like this, conversations today that are focused on the next generation. And I love that we're focusing on the next generation. And Matt Markins is our guest. He's the president and CEO of Awana and um, a global leader in child discipleship. His book is The Faith of Our Children. And he's got several others. He mentioned his resilience book, which I found really helpful as well. You can find all the links to those books and to Matt's information at edstetzerlive.com. I always try to put it there, make it easy for you as well. We've got several callers on the line. So let me mention to our callers that we're going to, uh, we're gonna need to have quick questions and quick answers to make it work. But I'm gonna ask the first one because I wanna make sure we cover some of these things as as well. Um, we haven't talked about this, but we I, I don't know. When I came to the um, to the the child discipleship uh, forum, uh, I, I, I came to the night before. Made a little fun of you in my little talk, which was which was I, I think my highlight of the whole time. But um, but I was stunned, Matt Markins, by the work you guys are doing in Africa with the African Child and in School Initiative. Um, while we get our callers lined up. Could you just kind of share a little bit about that? Because this is just so explosive, this growth you're seeing around the world. So here's the quick story. Uh, a handful of years ago, the Zimbabwe, uh, one of those Zimbabwe school systems came to our vice president of Awana Africa, who lived in the same city as this school official. This leader said, hey, we're noticing a difference between the Awana kids and just every, any other child at the school. Can we do a test and bring Awana into the public school system? And they did a test with a handful of schools. It was wildly successful. Uh, now we have uh, Awana in, uh, I, I'm, I'm ballparking this, but it's around a thousand schools in a few different countries in Africa. And we're talking hundreds of that, almost a million children, Awana kids in the public school in Africa. So we brought this to our donors about a year ago. Um, and our donors were like, wow, we wish we could have Awana in the public school sy system here in the West. You know, why, you know, that would be such a dream, but we're going to we're going to resource this because we can't have that here. So we our donors have really loved it. You could Google that Awana or excuse me, uh, Africa Child and School Initiative Awana. If your listeners wanted to learn more about that or invest in that, it's a beautiful, beautiful God story. Yeah, love it. Love it. OK, so I'm going to remind our callers. I'm going to go to you callers. Michelle, I'm going to go to Ohio. I'm going to go to you first, but I need 
to because we're in the last segment. I need everyone to keep their questions and comments short so that Matt can have time to give short answers. We'll call this a lightning round, I guess. So, Michelle, you're live on the air. You jump right in, please. Um, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm a, gra- a grandma, Matt, and this year I was her Christmas Day. And my grandkids, I want to teach them Jesus. And my daughter and my son-in-law, there's no Bible reading, still 14 years of marriage. My grandkids go to Catholic school. Um how could I, when I go over there, I don't even feel wanted anymore by my by my daughter or my son-in-law. And it was okay on Christmas Day. I took my mom. She's 98. I got him some gifts. And when I and when I call once in a while, my daughter says, the kids don't want to talk to you. And I oh. know that's a lie. And oh, I am so sorry. I know sorry. there's that's, bad things yeah. going on. Yeah. In 2024 it is. But I keep praying and praying. And I'm a moody listener for 23 years, but there I can't. I'm not the parent, and right. I love my grandchildren. Chase is eight, right. Ellie is five, and my daughter. I only have the one daughter. Okay, and Michelle, so I want to I want to jump in. Right, I want to make sure that Matt can answer because I know it sounds like man, the situation is complicated, and I am sorry with the complexity of that situation. But we only have three minutes left, so a few minutes left. So Matt. Uh, help and Michelle, hold on to. We're going to give you a copy of the book. But Matt, what do you think? How does this grandmother got some challenges? Maybe similar to what we talked about before, but just even restate some of that if we, if it helps. Yeah, I, I think it's very similar to what we had before. I think today's kids are so digitally distracted. But the flip side of that coin is kids are looking for what is real. They know they know that what they're experiencing is not satisfying. They're going to discover this more and more as they get older. But if a, as a grandmother or a grandfather, I want to be a consistent presence of love and stability in their life. Even if I'm not allowed to be in their life, I'm going to look for creative ways to engage them. I'm going to occasionally text them. I'm going to send them a card. I'm going to send them a gift. I'm going to send them a present. And I want them to hear that message. If you ever need any help, I am here for you. I love you. God loves you. Continue to build that bridge so that when they do wake up in their 20s and 30s and they start to realize, I need help. You want them to come to you. So continue to be that source of love and encouragement to them in creative ways. Yeah, Michelle, too, we're going to give you a copy of of the book as well and hope it'll be an encouragement to you. Again, it's called The Faith of Our Children, Eight Timely Research Insights for Discipling the Next Generation as well. Okay, let's try to squeeze in another call. We're going to go to Ann in Inverness, Florida. Ann, you're live on the air. Jump right in. Okay, hi. I'm 75 years old. I was in children's ministry for many, many years in a huge church in New York. And um, I had a a young man, I think it was like third grade or second grade. He was super hyperactive and very disruptive in the class and really tested my tolerance. However, some of the other adults in the the, uh, teaching group said, oh, you should just ask him to sit out in the hallway because he's so disruptive. I said, no, I don't want to put him out. He might be the next Billy Graham. And I have watched that young man develop into a wonderful husband and father and married into a missionary family and is just grown beautifully in God through his, you know, so I felt like my efforts, you know, may have contributed a little bit to the man he became. Oh, and I love that story. And part of the reason I love that story is they told my youth director to kick me out because I was trouble as well, and my life was changed, and and, and no, by no means a, a Billy Graham, but my, my life was changed as well. Um, you know, how, how, how would you exhort folks, those, take those high-energy folks, Matt, and, and, and lean in in their lives? Talk to us about that. 
Oh, this this the story she told is what pulled Katie and I into children's ministry. We had a kid named Christopher who would run around the room. He could not keep his bottom in the seat. But when it would come to question and answer time, as he's running around the room, he got more of the answers right than any of the kids. It was such a it was such an interesting insight for Katie, for the two of us to understand that kids are all wired and designed differently. Plus, on top of that, we don't know what kids are going through at home or what kind of trauma or abuse perhaps that could even be happening. Uh, I'm not saying that that is happening, but it could be happening. And so kids are coming in there with all different sorts of learning styles and experiences and personality styles. So the more flexible that at time, we got to have order, we have to have, uh, you know, decent behavior. But if we can leave a little wiggle room in there for kids like that, that have been described, you just never know how God is shaping and forming them. I love her perspective. I love her attitude on that. I, I think that's, that's a, inspiring for all of us. And she's, she's from Inverness, Florida, but I heard that New York accent slipping through and that made me happy. Oh, I heard it too. And and by the way, by the way, 75 is the new 55 too. So she's got a lot of energy ahead of her. So that's right. I love that. And thank you so much for your great call. They're going to jump on and give you a copy of Matt's book. Let me remind you, it's called the faith of our children, eight timely research insights for discipling the next generation. And Matt, you have been a super guest today. And I knew it would be just because we've been friends and we have these conversations and and we're so thankful. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know have been impacted by Awana. So thank you for the good work that you're doing there. And thank you for your continuing, well, your writing and, and, and helping to speak into the conversation of raising our kids. We appreciate you. It's a privilege. Thank you. All right, we're, we're going to wrap up our show today. Thank our guest, Matt Markins, for joining me. Thanks to our behind-the-scenes team at Moody Radio, my producer, Karen Hendren, my engineer, Bob Moreau, and Lynn Man in the Phones, and did a good job today, as always. We appreciate it so very much. Um, to hear today's program again, you'll find it at edstetzerlive.com. All that's there. You can follow along. Uh, you can follow along all the pro- program notes, show notes. You can listen to old programs. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast as well. That's edstetzerlive.com. Also, follow us on social media. We're mainly active on Twitter, but you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at edstetzerlive. Let me encourage you, too, that it's a good opportunity to ask. You know, you might think, well, is it too late? Is it you know too late for my kids or my young adult kids? I'm still learning. I'm still failing. I'm still struggling. I'm still trusting Jesus. And I'm still doing my best as a dad and we can all learn and this resource that that matt has for us the faith of our children is a helpful tool for that as well so let me encourage you to pick it up again go to edstetzerlive.com it's all linked right there as well and remind you that ed stetzer live is a production of moody radio which then airs on partners and affiliates we're so thankful for them as well and of course moody radio is a ministry of moody bible institute thanks again for listening talk to you next saturday